So the um, just the, looking at the um, the fourth section of the Anapanasati Sutta, and we talked a lot yesterday about um, the observing impermanence, breathing in uh, one. One trains oneself, I will breathe in, observing impermanence. Um, I will breathe out, observing impermanence. And, and how we do that, not only observing impermanence in the world around us, but most especially in, in our practice, observing impermanence in our experience of the body and our experience of the mind and, and heart, uh, the just the, the fluctuation, the changes that we talked about, the impermanence of feelings and uh, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, how feelings, when mindfulness is absent, can give rise to uh, craving and clinging and, um, and all kinds of unskillful speech and actions which create more suffering for ourselves and others. And, um, and so when we really understand the impermanent nature of feelings, when we understand the impermanent nature of perceptions, um, it, it helps us to not get caught. It helps us to see those patterns and not, not get hooked um, into you know, trying to hold on to something that, of course, we can't hold on to uh, because of its very nature. Um, and so, um, so the, the, the sutta goes on um, talking about uh, observing imperna- impermanence and then um, there are four other uh, uh, qualities or developments that begin to unfold um, with a deep seeing into impermanence, uh, and and sometimes people read these these um, words and they sound like, oh, that must be for some you know monastic, you know meditating years and years in a cave or you know uh, just totally dedicating their life to practice and not doing anything else in their lives, but I really don't think that's true. I think that these, these are developments of the mind which we can all, uh, that can unfold, that can develop uh, within us when we're, um, pra- when we're practicing with commitment and um, with, uh, you know, when, ma- when, when we're making practice, uh, Dharma practice, an important part of our lives the, perhaps the central part of our lives. Um, which doesn't mean not living. Doesn't mean not living in the world. So, so the next, and there are different words that are sometimes used to translate the Pali, but um, the second uh, development coming out of <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, seeing deeply into impermanence 
And, and I described yesterday how the three characteristics um, the, are very interconnected, so impermanence um, or anicca in Pali, dukkha, the wide range of meanings that it has from unreliability, unsatisfactoriness, um, suffering. Uh, so dukkha and, and anatta, the, the non-self or contingent nature of all experience. So we talked about how in seeing impermanence we see all of these. So, so as, as impermanence is directly known in our experience in meditation, um, the word dispassion is used in the sutta. Uh, I've often heard it uh, translated as, and di- as disenchantment. Um, and um, so, so both dispassion and disenchantment uh, can sound kind of negative. You know, like uh, we use the word enchanting, like, like, oh, that's, you know, that was just an enchanting uh, dance recital, or, you know, this child is so enchanting, just really lovely and delightful. Um, But when we think about some of the, uh, the central myths of Western culture, many cultures, enchantment is is actually not seen as something that's so positive. You know, sometimes somebody is enchanted, like the prince or the princess is enchanted, and it means that they lose connection, that they're that they're, they they come out of themselves, they're disconnected from themselves, um, they're under a spell, uh, and so in that sense, to be disenchanted means to awaken from a spell. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the sense of this word, um, disenchanted. That uh, when we awaken from the spell, that somehow we can find our sense of happiness, our sense of being uh, content, fulfilled, um, uh, grounded, um, in in something that comes from outside, uh, a, a sense experience, uh, a possession, a title, uh, a degree, a uh, a job, uh, even a relationship, as as enriching as relationships can be, you know, they are inherently unstable, and so if we're looking for a relationship to to make us feel good all the time, um, that relationship probably won't endure because for a relationship to endure, we need to again and again step up to, um, to the changes that are happening you know, in the relationship, in ourselves, in the other. So, um, so, so, uh, so that that spell, that that uh, misperception or mistaken belief that we'll, we're going to live happily ever after, um, you know, when we find Mr. Right or Ms. Right or the right 
you know, just the, the right job. Um, again, you know, when we find work that is truly, um, that we truly engage with and, and we love, <coughs> it's, it's, it's a blessing. And it's not always going to make us feel good. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not always going to be pleasant. So that's, um, so waking up, uh, when we deeply see impermanence, we wake up from the spell. We're disenchanted. Um, we, we recognize that uh, we can't hold on to anything. Um, we can't, nor can we resist, nor can we keep pushing away things that we don't want. So, you know, however much we exercise and eat well, we will age. <coughs> you know, we will get sick. Can't avoid sickness. You know, as well as we may take care of ourselves. Um, and, um, and we will die. This body will uh, come to an end. And so, um, so to deeply, uh, to live with a deep un understanding, not just an intellectual understanding, <coughs> but a seeing, a seeing how um, we're, like, in a way, every moment when we see the arising and passing away of experience, um, you know, when we see every moment arises in consciousness and passes and passes away, we, we're seeing um, dying in, in each moment. We're seeing loss in each moment. Um, and, and, and a new moment is being born. And yet, when the Buddha talks about birth, He's <clears throat> usually pointing to birth into the the world of of grasping and aversion and delusion. So, so he usually usually uses birth for that um, to point to that uh, kind of continuation of the cycle of suffering. And so, um, so this disenchantment um, moves, unfolds into uh, the word that's used is cessation. So, so what I, how I understand cessation is, is um, the mind stops reaching out. The mind, we deeply know as a whole being, deep in the being, there's a knowing that the reaching out to grasp, the reaching out to hold, uh, the, 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 the construction of, of a self is a, um, a drivenness that, that doesn't satisfy and that brings suffering. And when this is deeply known, we stop. We just stop. 
And there's a, a kind of a resting, <clears throat> an inward resting that, that develops, that evolves uh, in that the world comes to you. The world comes into consciousness and, and there's a stillness. <coughs> there's a stillness, an inner stillness in which everything can be received. So gain and loss, uh, pain and pleasure, um, uh, fame and disrepute, um, uh, uh, or, or fame and um, kind of being ignored, and then uh, uh, having a great reputation, and <coughs> and then having people speak negatively about you. All of these things, all of these things happened to the Buddha. I mean, he was. He was often, you know, really slagged by people uh, who criticized him, and <coughs> somebody <coughs> spread rumors about him, and um, and his nephew tried to kill him. So he he had uh, he had his share of misfortune, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, but but there was he. He received it. There's a story about the Buddha um, who, uh, there was this, there was this uh, doctor, Angulimala, who um, uh, he suffered something very terrible in his life, uh, a, a really traumatic loss, and he, he he got a bit um, really uh, turned around, really uh, deeply, deeply traumatized, and <clears throat> and he went to a, a teacher who was a very um, uh, kind of misguided teacher and taught, you know, uh, dangerous practices and um, harmful practices and uh, and 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 this this teacher was um, was instructing him to to kill to kill people and uh, I mean we it's not so bizarre we hear about you know cults you know in, in our time who uh, where the, this kind of thing is is taught and um, I mean, it's bizarre, but it's <coughs> not for just ancient times. And um, and so he he was going around killing people, and he and he went after the Buddha. He was this teacher said, you know, kill kill that teacher. And um, and when and when he was when he would kill somebody. He would sever one of their fingers, and and make a necklace of their fingers. Yeah, uh, and pretty awful. And and that's why he was called Angulimala because he had this mala of uh, <coughs> fingers that he wore. And um, 
And so he began, he began, he saw the Buddha and he, he began chasing him. And, uh, and however fast he was running, like he couldn't catch up with the Buddha. Like the Buddha was, and the Buddha wasn't running, but he was always away. He was always a distance away. Um, and, uh, and Angulimala called out to the Buddha and he said, Stop! You know, so like, why would the Buddha stop? But anyway, he said, he said, he said, stop, and uh, and his Buddha response was, um, and the Buddha's response to him was, uh, I have stopped Angulimala. Now you stop, and so when and my understanding of that story is, like, he has come to a deep cessation. I have stopped. I have stopped running. I have stopped being driven by greed, hatred, and delusion. So that cessation, that stopping, that deep inner stopping, um, uh, is is not a a cutting off from life, but is an opening that life will flow flow to us and through us. And it comes from the cessation of grasping. And um, and another word that's sometimes used uh, to to uh, translate cessation is quenching, the quenching of dukkha. So the quenching of that, this thirst for more and more. So finally, my thirst is quenched. <laughs> Um, and then the fourth is uh, relinquishment. When trains with oneself, I will breathe in observing relinquishment. So all of these in this uh, final uh, stanza of the uh, the four tetrads, the last four tetrads, are I will breathe in observing impermanence. I will breathe in observing dispassion or disenchantment. I will breathe, breathe in observing cessation or quenching. So, so we're, not, we're not actually doing anything. We're just allowing this unfolding to happen. It's just happening on a deep level because, you know, we're, uh, because of the deep insight into impermanence. And, um, and the last one is uh, I will I will br- breathe in observing relinquishment, breathe out observing relinquishment. <clears throat> and um, uh, I like the way Buddha Dasa talks about this. Um, in Buddha Dasa, you know, in in um, the way he teaches, he teaches from this perspective of we are nature, and, and we're, we are, uh, the reason why we suffer is because we try to uh, take from nature and, and hold on for ourselves. And, um, and this, you know, creates stress because it's, it's against nature. So, um, uh, and he, so he says, he describes relinquishment as throwing it all back like 
throwing it all back to nature, um, giving it back. So, so in a way, you know, we give it back. We give it all back when we die, right? So our bodies go back into the earth, you know. Um, and uh, you know, I I I don't I don't really teach about rebirth or you know whatever happens with the mind with the the different patterns um, because I, I I don't know it's only it's only um, uh, teachings that I can't understand because I haven't lived it um, so uh, so I, I leave it in not knowing <laughs> and um, well, there's a lot in that, not knowing <laughs> great, big, vast, <laughs> uh, basket with no bottom. And, um, yeah, but, uh, but, but we, we eventually just give it all back, right? Um, all our possessions, we can't. You know, the expression goes, you can't take it with you, right? <laughs> so, uh, all our money, whatever we've tried to hold on to, build up, um, our reputation out of our control, well, it always was. You know, but all of those things that we were trying to control, trying to accumulate, trying to, uh, to build up, um, it just uh, dissipates. Anyway, it just goes back into the earth, goes back into uh, just um, the void. And so, so, uh, so relinquishment is, is that sense of, you know, spiritual teachers often say, die before you die. You know, die before you die. As, uh, many, many teachers have said that. Um, I think Muhammad said it, uh, and uh, certainly Ajahn Chah said it, and many teachers have, have said it. Die before you die. So die before you die means um, you know live as if you you've all, it's all already lost. There's a story about Ajahn Chah that he had a. Um, this favorite cup. He had this mug that he loved, and uh, and he and he used to say, "It's already broken." You know, like so he he wasn't he wouldn't worry about it breaking because uh, he said it's already broken. So so <laughs> a funny story for me is that uh, I, I told this story and then um, a student you know, who was moving away, wanted to give me a, you know, a, a thank you gift when they were leaving. And so she had this mug, she knew a potter, and she had this mug made, and she wrote, a, she asked him to write around the edge of the cup, this, this mug is already broken. <laughs> so, then, so then I found myself, you know, kind of cherishing that mug and being extra careful with it. <laughs> is so special. <coughs> so, so, yeah, throwing it all back. 
giving it all back. So maybe we have to do that again and again, you know, uh, just over and over. Like just reminding ourselves that we, we don't really have things. Um, it's, it's hard to remember. Joseph told a story, uh, Joseph Goldstein, when, <coughs> when I was um, near the beginning of uh, my insight meditation practice, uh, when I was, I was going down there, and he told the story about when he was in India, and, um, and he had this little radio and, uh, that he brought with him, and you know, he put it down somewhere, and, um, oops, it was gone. <laughs> and uh, he said, I was really upset because it was kind of a, a lifeline for him. And he said, I guess I thought it belonged to me. <laughs> and when I heard that, I didn't understand what he meant. I said, of course it belonged to you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but he had a deeper view. So, so um, you know, we we don't we don't. It's good to have a view. Uh, it's good to have a, a view of where we're going. Um, it's good to have a map of the territory. Uh, the Zen saying goes is that the map is not the territory. Uh, so we learn to inhabit, become familiar with the. Uh, the territory in the unfolding of our practice. Um, it's good to have a sense of, of how it unfolds so that when something new unfolds, we realize that, uh, that there's a, a kind of um, a lawful or an orderly, it, it doesn't unfold always, as I said uh, in another talk, it doesn't always unfold in succession, but but um, but there is an unfolding, a deepening, and um, yeah, and and what I want to emphasize is that in this, you know, when we stop grasping, when we stop chasing uh, experience, when we come to a to a kind of a a rest, a resting in um, openness, that that we're not annihilated, that that there's not a um, when we let go of who we think we are, we discover who we truly are, which is. A, uh, a beingness, a, a um, an isness that we uh, that we that that we are. It's not that we are this or we are that. It's simply a beingness, which is um, uh, deeply connected to life, and which is. Um, and and where 
in, in which there is a profound peace beyond understanding. <clears throat> so let's sit for a few minutes before we walk. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.